You're listening to the Live Again Podcast, where we achieve wholeness and mental health through Christianity. Every episode, we discuss real-life situations, viewing it in third person. We are in this world, but not of this world. While we fight off the enemy, we believe in using therapy as a strategy, because God is always the cure. I'm your host, Olivia. Let's get started. Welcome back, y'all. We are rounding this end of the year, finally end of pandemic 2020. I want to end on a good note. I want to talk about money um, since it's going to be talk of some stimulus checks. But before we get into it, I want to welcome more of our new followers. Y'all, we grow like 10% almost every every week. Um, We have different people from all over the world. We are international uh, still. (laughs) Duh. Um, but we have new parts of the world. Like I said, we are almost hitting all 50 states. California is now in the building. Hello, DC. I see y'all. Welcome, Rhode Island. Welcome, Virginia. Finally, we got some people from Virginia. I was waiting for that. And we have a little bit from Tennessee, but that's not all, y'all. I said we are international. We are international. We are showing more and more people from South Africa. My roots. Did y'all see? Did y'all see that live I did? on my social media, I did a live where I, um, I had my ancestry, I sent in my DNA to ancestry.com and I'm from all parts of Africa. <laughs> I'm from Congo, Nigeria holds like 44% of my DNA, um, Botswana, I'm from all over, all over Africa. So what's up? I'm so grateful that you guys are joining me today. Um, we are also in the UK, that's new. I don't think we were in the UK last week. So we've reached the UK, y'all. That's great. So great. So do me a favor. If you like this episode or if you just like the podcast, if you like the content that we create, go ahead and like, share, subscribe, share it with some friends. Let's see if we can literally hit all 50 states and let's see if we can hit all seven continents, too. I want to even in and what is it? Is it Antarctica? Antarctica is the continent, right? I want to see that. I want to see that, too. I want to hit all 50 and Antarctica. So like comment share um, and subscribe so we can continue to bring on some some good content um, i'm always praying for for my listeners i am always praying not just for new listeners but for my listeners to actually gain something you know i want you to go away from this platform um, empowered and, and strengthened and with some tools that you so that you can improve your life i can't talk so i just want to give a quick shout out and really just get into the thick of things y'all The pandemic has brought a lot of pain, a lot of hardship, and a lot, a lot, a lot of financial questions. That's been the biggest issue, the biggest question in a lot of our minds. What about our finances? Whether you are in South Africa or the United Kingdom or you're in, you know, various parts of the earth, you have been affected by COVID. You have been affected financially by this whole thing. So... As Christians, when I think money, I also think tithing. And there's talk of a stimulus check. I know for a fact that tithing 10% of 600 or 200 of the rumored $2,000 that we're supposed to get, tithing is the last thing on your mind. And so many people have the wrong information surrounding money and God. Are Christians supposed to have a lot of money? Wasn't Jesus poor? Isn't tithing just stealing from the people? And the famous one. 
Money is the root of all evil, isn't it? There are tons and tons of questions and misconceptions concerning tithing. So today we talk about the principles of giving, the concept of tithing, and how it can and will better your life in a way that you could not have possibly imagined. Together, let's discuss money and God. I bring in an expert in finance and a man of God, my honey, my future husband, Granville Washington. Granville is a financial advisor for PNC and has been in finance and investments for nearly 10 years, managing well over $70 million for numerous multimillionaires. While this man is not far from the million mark himself, Granville is an advocate in tithing, as am I. Personally, I believe that tithing can and will save your life if you allow it. Join us in our conversation on Twitter at liveagain underscore and be sure to include the hashtag liveagain. That's L-I-V-A-G-A-I-N. This conversation is mind-blowing, so you might want to take notes. So without further ado, let's get into it. Granville Washington. Hi, babe. Hey, babe. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay, so it's it's COVID, right? Not only is it COVID, it is Christmas, it is New Year's, and um, rumor has it that we're supposed to have another another deposit from the good old Uncle Sam during this pandemic. We have yep. financial questions. What I noticed yep. in the semi-checks, people were like buying flat screen TVs, you know, everyone had paper plates on their cars, everyone was getting all the new electronics. Finance is a major thing, especially in this pandemic. But for the Christian community, it can be a little testy when we talk about finance. So the first question that I have for you, Mr. Financial Advisor, are Christians supposed to have a lot of money? So, uh, yes, right? So I'm going to put on my man of God hat for this one. Um, and 100% yes. Um, this is kind of without question, right? Um, when we look back at the Gospels and, you know, all these different things and and uh, we look at the promises that God has given us. I mean, if we look at the beginning of our faith, um, which actually doesn't start with the new covenant, right? The father of, of faith is actually Abraham. And uh, one of the primary things God did to him foundationally, right? This was like one of the first things out of the gate was he enriched him. And, and you can look at plenty of places throughout the Bible where, you know, almost every single person, and the only reason I say almost is because I want to err on the side of caution. I haven't read the Bible cover to cover in, in a few years, but most of the stories you see, everyone issues are addressed in totality, right? So they're, they end up being made whole, whether it was the woman, you know, who was going to die with her son, uh, and they were going to, you know, they're going to make that little cake and eat it, or whether we're talking about, you know, Ruth, um, or whether we're talking about Solomon or, you know, Daniel, David, you know, whoever you can think of, they were made wealthy in many different ways, but certainly financially. And um, I would just say this is, you know, the Lord says we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, multiply so that we can bless all the families of the earth, right? So everyone's received a blessing. How does that happen if you don't have money? That's a fact. And the most recent episode that I did, um, I was talking about the Shunammite woman. And in the Bible, it said the Shunammite woman was a, a influential person, but she also had a lot of money. So mm -hmm. much so that she was able to build an additional room in her house for, for a man of God. 
Exactly. Yep. And I'm like, that's what we're supposed to use our money for, to continue to bless not just people in the in Christianity, just, not just people who identify as Christian, but everyone. The whole kingdom. I mean, right, we're, we're, we're considered the salt of the earth. The context that that was being used in is back when salt was like gold, right? Like salt and gold had very similar values because salt was able to preserve your food. Its place in our everyday life was super, super valuable. And when it calls us the salt of the earth, right, that's what we are doing as people of God. And not to leave this off, I, I feel like a lot of Christians feel condemned about the ideas of luxury. But if you do, I'd like you to, you know, I want to point you towards a couple of things, right? So the city of Zion, right, where we'll be living with Jesus, at, you know, at the end times and revelations, go look and see what that city's made out of, right? Like the, the rivers are like diamonds or something like that. Like it's like, it's, it's yeah. opulence on another level. Um, and then go look at, you know, uh, the wisest man in the world, right? And, and if you're really in your studies, you know that wisdom can only come from observation and a relationship with God. Wisest man that had ever existed up until Jesus was Solomon. He is to date. Loaded. He is to date still considered, right? Uh, generally, I mean, we can't prove it because we can't find his gold mines. But the man had gold mines, right? He didn't have he didn't have his money on deposit somewhere. He he was the man. Right. Is that so, is that the man that would like go into cities and there would be like they the city would have like an influx of cash and then the moment he left they would go into like some type of depression. I think I've read yeah. that somewhere, so, right? So so that was Mansa Musa. And here's the thing. I I suspect that Mansa Musa was uh Solomon. I don't know that for sure. Um, and, and I haven't done any major like research into it. I have researched Mansa Musa, um, to date, you know, in today's dollars, he's wealthier than, than Jeff Bezos, right? He's wealthier than the richest man in the world. So first of all, the man would travel and he would travel in a caravan. So there would be like a thousand people with him just to carry all the wealth that he had. And as he would go through cities, there would be so much money flushed in. And then as soon as he leaves, the economy collapses. Um, because he was he he's he substantiated such a large portion of like their uh their market cap for that for whatever you know the city was so yeah and he was black to boot like Solomon but we'll 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 see here yeah <laughs> gotta <laughs> love that little tidbit yeah. but okay so Jesus I've I've heard this a lot and I I had this conversation with somebody at work they say. That the pastors aren't supposed to have all this money and they're not supposed to have jets and all this and that. Jesus right. never had any of that. I call I call bull on that. I call yeah. BS because um, not only was Jesus a carpenter, but he was a perfect man. So his furniture was perfect. Everything that came from the man was perfect. So he was an entrepreneur, right? Um, when he was born, they was gifting him money frankincense and myrrh that was expensive gold you know he had kings bring up gifts at birth and also he was like funding people's weddings ain't that one of the that's one of the first stories of the bible when he when he did it thanks right when he uh, went water to wine when he performed yeah when he not only that but he was um that was his first miracle yeah but he was like funding weddings and able to host these elaborate weddings and it went on for days and you can't do that if you're poor if you're poor if you're broke 
But that's just my opinion. What do you think? So uh, as a matter of fact, right, so I can't speak to Jesus having, you know, blinding wealth. But as a matter of fact, right, he was a carpenter, which at the time, right, we're talking about the Roman province of Galilee, right? This is like first century. So at that time, right, carpenters, fishermen, and physicians all held a similar socioeconomic place on the board. And so there were universities that would teach you, you know, philosophy, how to be a doctor, how to be a mathematician. But there really wasn't a school for you to go learn how to be a carpenter or a fisherman. So these were trades that were normally passed down through the family. So there probably weren't too many uh, carpenters. And that tells me that at the very least that he had an above average standard of living. Um, which would mean that, yes, Jesus had Jesus had a little bit of money. And there's actually a scripture that I read probably two or three months ago uh, that just stood out to me where it talked about Jesus inviting the disciples back to his house, but they weren't in Galilee. So, oh, so he had you know what I mean? Years. So, so it, it was, it's <laughs> was really small, real right? As well. <laughs> right. And it's small. It's easy enough to miss. But we also have to remember that Jesus is in the lineage of, of King David and and people with like noble blood, especially that kind of noble blood didn't you know, they didn't they weren't all like robber barons and super wealthy, but they didn't fall below a certain standard. Right. Very similar to what we see now. I would I would compare it to like maybe the Clinton family. Or even, you know, to be more relevant, the Trump family, you're not going to see many of the Trumps, you know, living below a certain standard of living, no matter how far away from the initial power source they are. To bring it back to Jesus, 100% Jesus had money, right? Also, if the blessing of the Lord makes rich and brings no sorrow with it, it would just strike me as very odd that the Lord himself would be broke. Poor, right. Not right. to mention his posse had money. He had... He had friends in high places, you know what I mean? Yeah. And not he only that, but he had billionaires, right? He he had billionaires tithing to him and giving giving his own. Remember at the church? Not, not, yeah. not that you were there, but remember <laughs> at the church with the woman with the two shillings? Yeah. And he had like billionaires making it rain on the, on the, you know, on the altar. Where do you think that, that, that money wasn't going directly to the people? That money was funding like when he when he traveled, he had like, a posse with them. So they have to eat, they have to sleep, they have to, you know, have to travel on that. I'm sure that came with expenses and things. And then he blessed others with the wealth. Yeah. So it, it just, it's odd to me that people think you're not supposed to have a lot of money. What do you think about, let's say, Creflo Dollar and him having um, a jet? A lot of people frown upon that. You know, they think that money could go to the church or that money could go to the wealthy. Where's the church now during a pandemic? What's your take on that? So, look, I, I think that there's two things at play here, right? So I think one thing is that people didn't like the style of what he was doing, like how he was asking. But I think what's lost on everyone is that this is his congregation. I know the world may have seen it because, you know, there's virtual church and stuff. But just like anything else, if you're a Christian, I fully don't expect the world to understand. I don't expect the world to understand why I give 10%, you know, or more as is placed on my heart. There's there's so many things that I think is just quite honestly not the world's business and they can, you know, they can feel how they feel about it. He's not taking trips and like hanging out with that jet. Um, there was a very real story that went along with that that didn't get any of the same publicity. They have a ministry in Eastern Europe, right, which is 
plagued by like methamphetamine. You, I mean, like if you think we're bad here with the opioid crisis, imagine being in a place where you can't lift yourself out of poverty in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, there is no lottery. You know, you're not going to end up playing basketball. You're not, you know, like there's nothing. You're not going to get lucky with some tech idea. You can't even leave the country. So like there's a huge community that they are reviving in Christ there that literally they had been flying back and forth to, right? And and the frequency of the flights uh, versus paying for that many tickets for people to go back and forth, it just makes more sense. I mean, it's almost like, you know, if you have a job where you're required to drive around to multiple sites in a day, it's probably cheaper for you to finance a car than it would be for you to catch an Uber. The one that they were working on was one from the 90s. They had a landing gear issue, and the, the plane basically came out of the sky, and it was by the grace of God that everybody was okay. So it was time. I mean, they needed this, and this was for the ministry. I personally think that it was fine. Uh, my opinions on Creflo are very positive. And, and also, look, I'm not blind to the fact that there are preachers that are cheating the church. He's just not one of them. There's guys out there like Peter Popoff who are, you know, robbing people right? Selling right. the idea of being blessed and green prayer claws and holy water and stuff. That's not what Creflo was, was doing. Uh, people just viscerally react to the idea of money and God, right? They have this impression mm -hmm. that money and God are entirely separate. There's not a single subject that was spoken on more than money in the gospel. You mentioned something earlier. You, you said you have your, you have your, um, personal beliefs about tithing. A lot of people that I see, especially those who are new into Christianity and just gave their life over to Christ, they still struggle with the concept of tithing. Most non-believers believe that tithing is stealing from the people and giving it to the pastors and giving it to this big mega church. And mega church in itself is supposed to be like this, you know, anti-Christian thing. Yeah. Um, me personally, I think tithing. I, I find tithing to be different than just monetary. And and, and biblically it is. Mm -hmm. um, to me, tithing is making your money and making your flesh bow down to God. It's it's choosing between God, honoring God and, and believing God for your resources and believing that you are the source for your resources. Right. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people differ with that. What do you think? So I think with tithing, right, you're, you're right. It's more than money, right? If we go back to the word, uh, it actually tells us to tithe our, uh, our time, our talents and our substance. So we may live in a world one day where we don't use dollars. Um, the, whatever the thing is of value, that's what you tithe. There's a scripture that I pair with that, right? That to me that stands out where it says like your gift will make room for you. This was in the Old Testament, right? This was like free game if you were a living, breathing human being. This wasn't like, hey, only if you're if you're Jewish. Hey, only if you believe in, in the God that I believe in. The whole idea was that it was providing God's wisdom to like everyone. And it's true, right? Your, your gift makes room for you. Um, and one of the ways that makes room for you is oftentimes it profits you monetarily, right? If you're a basketball player, your gift has made room for you 
right. the tune of millions. <laughs> and so sometimes tithing your talent and your and your substance might end up being the same thing. But I think if we if we take a, a deep dive approach to tithing, right, the first time we see someone tithe, an actual tithe, right? Not like where God says, Hey, bring me an offering. A tithe is like from your own heart. It was Abraham. And it was after God had given him victory. Again, God allowed them to become wealthy, jewels, gold, so on and so forth. Um, and Abraham, out of the like the joy, the thankfulness, and to display his dependency, not to everyone, but to himself, decided to give 10% of all the spoils, not just what he got, but like everything that the whole camp took down. And that's where we get the guideline of 10%. Forgive me if, I, if I'm mistaken here, but there's no place where it actually tells you 10%. There's no place where it says God says tithe 10%, yeah. right? 10%. It said the first was, fruits. Correct. Well, and, and that, that might even be a little bit separate. There are some theologies that make that like a whole thing, and I, I won't get into that. But 10%, to me, the way I have received it is a minimum. Sometimes it may be put on you to tithe way more than 10%. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, man. And haven't you know I been I mean? there? You, you, right. That's happened to me. You've and seen look, me where I'm like, oh, God. Me shaking like, and everything. Like, I can't believe I'm about to... <laughs> <laughs> that's that true. That's that's for them true G's, them true born agains. That when you yeah. when you get a word from God, um, I need you to tie four hundred dollars this week, and you, I mean, your gut just falls out of your butt. That is, that's on a whole but, nother level of faith. But that's the whole purpose, right? Because we go back to what faith is and how our relationship with God is supposed to work. Is that God is our great provider, right? That is the way by which He He that is love. That is the principal love. And then the cooperative love that's born from the principle of is our dependence and trust, right? Because dependence and trust are the root of uh, glory, right? And and uh, and mistrust, right, or dependence on anything else that, other than God is is the seed and root of sin. God's desire for us is that we be wealthy. I mean, if, if you think about it, if we run it all the way back to the beginning, right, before we're talking about money, before there are monetary systems and there's only two people on the planet, prior to God creating man, he did a lot of work. He created the earth. He created air. He created, you know, he said, when he said, let there be light, that's, you know, that's the God particle that he's talking about, like light energy, right? Let there be light. Then he created the sun and he created the moon and the stars and all these different things. And all of these things are vital to our existence. And so to me, whenever doubt begins to get in or tries to knock on your door about whether God cares about you or whatever, I don't even need a lot of these like complicated testimonies. Half the time, I just go back to that and think like, how significant is it that God provided something like air so that I could breathe? And those are the places where your tithe right comes from because at the end of the day look I, i'm i'm one of these people where it's like if your heart's not right on the tide don't tie the money don't do it tax because all it's you gonna know? do is just you're just gonna waste your time and money For, and your money because you're that's not what it's money. about <laughs> you know? right you definitely um, that, that's first and foremost don't tie thinking oh god i have to do i gotta yeah. give all this money it says with a cheerful you, heart you twenty dollars with a cheerful heart yes tithing is worship that's what that is yeah, it's you get to tithe. And and the thing is, you and I talk about this this passage all the time. It's like the cattle of the field are all mine, right? All the silver is all mine. Oh, yeah. All the gold. And he's like, you think if I was hungry, I would come and ask you? 
right? Like I, you would be the person. And, and, the and we take flex. it. We take it as like a. It's it's funny to me because I. It's difficult for me to hear it in anything else but like a human voice. But the truth of it was, he was speaking to how backwards the idea was. He's like, you don't get it. I created you to be connected to me so that you could prosper. You're you're going off all these different ways trying to figure out all these other things, right? And so once we figure out the heart of what what faith is, faith is ultimately actions that you take depending on the love that you're beholding from God. And then and then you apply that to tithing. It's your tithing, not because you're required to, not because, you know, your church does something weird, like point out all the people who not tithing or something like that. Your tithing, right? Your tithing comes from the fact that like I am so thankful right? For everything God has done for me, not just the things I can see right now, right? Right now, you might be broke as a joke, right? I mean, you might you might be trying to figure out how to get, you know, how to rub these two pennies together and, and, and get, get to a nickel, right? Like you, you might be really, really broke. Um, yeah. And that's the time where you really dig in even more. Because mm -hmm. what you're thanking him for at that point, if you don't have substance around you, if you don't have nothing you can lay your eyes on, then what you're thanking him for is what you can see in your heart. What you're thanking him for is the hope, yeah. right? What you're thanking him for is those is things calm. that he's, exactly what he's already done in the spirit, yep. which you only have to manifest and the way by which you manifest it. What does he say? We overcome the world by, by faith. Yep. And that would, that's literally one of the most powerful actions of faith you can take is to break your flesh because literally what you're doing, if you get to the point where you're like, mm, should I tithe or not tithe? Really what you're saying is I have this money in my hand. I have X amount of obligation. If I tithe this money, I won't be able to meet the obligation. If that's what you think, go ahead and put the money back in your pocket. Go ahead to Burger King or wherever you're going to go with the money. Spend it there. It'll do a lot better for you there. Where right. you need to get your mind and your heart is, okay, I have these obligations. I'm going to tithe right now because I know I, I'm depending on God having taken care of me here. I know the That's math good. don't work, but I'm not That's depending good. on the math. I'm depending on the creator. Right. Exactly. It's the source. He's the source, not a resource. Precisely. Source Money is your resource. resource. He is the source. Yeah. Precisely. Exactly. Precisely. There's a, there's a sermon I listen to a lot. Given it shall be given unto you. Um, you know, with good measure, right, pressed down, shaking together, running over. God's not just talking about multiplying your finances. That's the least of these things. He's de like, that's a given. Look, if you would allow me to, you have wealth. This whole idea people have is like, you know, I just want enough money for, you know, take care of me and my child or me and my dog or me and whoever. And it's like, that's so much smaller than what God has for you, right? You you're supposed to be changing generations of your family. You're supposed to be changing generations of other people's family. What Mike Todd did lights me up on the inside because it's like, yo, the church owns a business. Park. A whole block. So let me let's let's let me pause for a second and get the people up to date because if y'all don't know Mike Todd, y'all need to get on and I don't know what you have been doing. So Mike Todd is a pastor at Transformation Church down in Tulsa. He's like maybe 33, 34 years old. And he's like senior pastor of this whole congregation. In his time, when he was when he was appointed pastor at the age of 27, he has now increased this, this congregation almost 10, 100 fold. Not him, but God through him. Bought a, what was it? A convention? A, 
Coliseum. Yeah, it was a convention, yeah, a coliseum, an basketball and, coliseum, and made it right, made it a yeah. trans- transformation church because so many people. He was having like five services every Sunday. Him preaching personally five services every Sunday. Not so they bought the right. No one can do that. I mean, you're only one man. There's only 24 hours in a day, and that's just you just can't. Um, so he bought the he bought the spot. Not only that, but he recently bought a twenty million dollar block. He bought the whole block that the that the convention center was sitting on. He bought all yeah. the bought all the buildings, bought the land, the businesses there, and now he's going to use that for the good of the church, opening right. business, starting internships. That's what the money is. That's why Christians need money. And it just blew my mind because I'm like. In this day and age, because black people have been in lack for so many generations, you know, we get the pockets of the, you know, the NFL players, the basketball players, the track runners. We get pockets of wealth. Who end up broke, by the way. But it's all spread out. Who who all in the who, who end up broke? Yes, because they're. I'm not gonna say all of them, but a lot of them are succumbed to the spirit of mammon. Let's just be real. You know, they they worship the money. It, worship, not to mean like you know the whole movie ritual of worship but they yeah, honor the money instead of god yeah. yeah do anything for it, which is how you get the only fans and all this and that but it is important that for the church cooking. to see that money is money is a part of god um giving us everything that he needs he provides for all of our needs and in this world economy and finances and money is a need if it was any other way you know if we were you know if the need was land you know, if we needed land and the way we use money, we use land, he would do that. If the need was, you know, puppies, if we needed puppies to be wealthy, <laughs> we we'd all puppies. have litters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I but think it's important for the church to know that. It's important for the church to know that, not not just because of that, but it's like on a found like I like that's the grand scheme, right? And that's for people like like you and I who have worked ourselves to this place where we can see a little bit outside of, you know, we can see a little bit further than the hand right in front of our face. But like, even if we drop it back a little bit, right? I don't see how you can depend on, how how you believe that your faith is active in getting healing, right? Or your faith that you you believe on the Lord to deliver your children, or you believe it on the Lord to save so-and-so, or you believe in, you know, you, your faith is here and there in the third. When, when you you don't even have your faith worked out on the least of it said money's the least of these things. It's the essentially least minimum. You know what? Money's the least of these things for at least one reason. I can't speak to the multi-purpose reason, but I know for sure one of the reasons is it's already here compared to look, health isn't necessarily already there, right? You lost a limb or something like that, it's gotta get regrown. The reason that takes so much more is because um supernatural healing isn't a concept that is affirmed from the world around you. Money is, though. You know what money was since you got your first dollar in your hand. It's already a concrete concept for you in your heart. All you have to do is straighten out your heart on it and, and address money the way God addresses money, right? And boom, suddenly you're making money. I mean, to, to the folks who say that if you, you shouldn't have money if you're a Christian, I feel like those people don't know how Jesus funded his ministry, right? Luke, the physician, right? The doctor. And and let's not forget, he wasn't just any physician. He was a Roman physician, 
Okay, there is an incredible significance to that for the time because Rome was the United States of America at its peak and maybe more because Rome had conquered so much of the world, right? Like Rome was a big deal of big deals. And if you were a Roman doctor, you were making bank on top of bank on top of bank on top of bank. I mean, your your typical general practitioner now, I think, makes like 200000 a year, right? If that, uh, if you specialize, you might get the three. I would imagine as a Roman physician, he was probably touching what might have looked like in today's dollars as seven figures, right, per annum or, or maybe wow. maybe every two years. Everyone should be able to provide for themselves and those around them and be able to help other people at a minimum. Does that mean you're a millionaire? Probably not. But I know most people's lives would change if they were getting six figures on a consistent basis, right? Like, I know that for a fact. Right. Like only nine percent of the U.S. population in the so-called wealthiest country in the world makes six figures a year. When I was homeless and I was still transitioning into where I am now, one of the things that saved my life was tithing. I, I, I wholeheartedly believed it because through tithing, you got to understand it brings a lot of discipline. It, it calls you to another level of being not just monetary, but you have to be more responsible, more responsible. Mm -hmm when you are incorporating a tithe, because you know you're not getting that money back. It's not going to anything but the church. And it also kind of, it humbles you a little bit. So when I was looking for a job, after I had given my life over to Christ and he told me to quit my job, you know, babe, I was unemployed for that about four months. And this faith. is one of the, that summer of faith, <laughs> this is one of the, this is one of the times where God was calling me to tithe like 300 $400 at a time, right? And it wasn't just once, it was multiple times where he was he was calling me to put a big lump sum of money down. Now, mind you, I did not have a job. I did not know if I was going to get a job anytime soon. And it, it took that humongous amount of time. I don't know how much money I tied. It's in the thousands. You know, it, it's definitely in the thousands in that summer. But I was I was diligent and intentional about being obedient and staying on top of my tithe, regardless of if I had income coming or not. And right. in that season, I learned most about who I am and, and who God was, because in that time, though I was still tithing, I was tithing with the heart that, God, I know you're going to provide for me because you're yep. calling me to do this. And, and if you're calling me to do this, then you, you won't call me into a place that is just going to leave, leave me high and dry. So I know exactly. you're going to provide for me. So I tithe in that spirit each and every time. And each and every time he provided for me, he provided for rent. Mind you, babe, I was, I was unemployed for four months. I didn't have to dip into my savings at all. Not one yep. time. He was providing food for me, not just for me, but for my beast. He kept the lights on. I was able to keep gas in my car. I was able to pay insurance on my car. I didn't come out of pocket for nothing. At the same time, I learned how to manage my money better. I learned, you know, I, I think I started my um, portfolio in that time, um, yeah. investing. And, and I learned a lot more about personal finance. So I think tithing is just a lot more than just giving money to the church. It's way more than that. It's it's even more than um, honoring, you know, building that relationship with God. Though it's a humongous part of it, it's it's to me, it's just about that that 
expanding of the mind and that stretching of the faith. You know, you have to go from faith to faith, to glory to glory. But you're, if you're not brave enough to step out on that, if you're not right. brave enough to, to write that, you know, write another zero on the, on the check, then, yeah. you know, God is only able to bless you to the capacity of your faith. Well, that's literally, it says, look, it says, with what measure you meet, it'll be measured unto you. We create this boogeyman out of God, right? Where he's just this, almost like, uh, I would always think about the servant with the talents, and I think about Adam, right? When, when I think about how we, like, look at God sometimes, where the servant was making all these constraints, he was like, oh, well, I know you, you know, you're a harsh man, and you reap where you don't sow, and, you know, all these things. And he was like, cool, let's say that's true. Even if that was true, then why would you play with my money? I think we read stuff sometimes with this attitude that people have taught us and not God. And when God says, with what measure you meet, it'll, it'll be measured unto you, it's because as open as your hand is to give, it's as open as it is to receive. He's trying to get you the same amount of everything every single time. It's you <laughs> that is clogging the artery. When it's telling you the measure you meet, it'll be measured, you know, it's measured back to you. It's literally the extent to which you participate in the system that I provided to provide for you, right, is the extent yeah. to which you'll get results. It's a very simple equation. It's like, well, you know, one plus one equals two. Like he's trying to put you in an exponential mm -hmm. rate of increase. Yeah. And And one of the things that I've recently received is that, a part of God's character is continuous expansion. Like if you think about it, if we if we take it down to, you know, well, when we get into those difficult times and we really got to grind it out in our word. And for me, it goes back to like, OK, you know, I, I have one of those minds where I like to think and I like to create and I like to build. That's a part of my character. But if I begin to spend too wide on my axis, right, I get way too far ahead of myself and I have to reset and remember, OK. This is this is the day that he's made, right? And and today he's provided me what he's provided me for today. And and tomorrow will take care of itself. But really what he's saying is like there's new mercies every day. There's new grace every single day. Like I provided something new for you every day. It's constantly expanding. If you would allow it to expand, it'll constantly expand. And this work that you're doing, right, is to is to renew your mind to be able to see clearly. Almost like you have to forgive me. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Elijah or Elisha. They were in a city, right? And they were surrounded by all the military of the city. And he was just chilling. And they were panicking. They were like, no, 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 no. And he was like, Lord, open his eyes. And God opened his eyes. And then he saw like the, the innumerable number of like yeah. angels yeah. that were surrounding the army. And he was like, oh, those are our yeah. guys right there. So don't don't trip. We're we're good. And that's that's the truth of the gospel, right? And that's the truth when it comes to tithing or anything else that you're doing. We oftentimes get hit with stuff and it feels new, but the truth is God is restoring, right? He wants you to see things as they are. He wants you to deal soberly. And he knows that if you see, if you can see clearly, there's only one choice for you to make. You're going to make the right choice if you can see clearly. That's where tithing comes in is we live in such a super monetarily materialistic um, and we live in a capitalist society. So everything that we do is tied to money. And so if we're going to be in a place like that, then we have to make sure that our heart is correct on money 
or money's going to lead us astray. All over the Bible, it talks about the deceitfulness of riches. And that deceitfulness is what we hear people say all the time is, oh, if I just had X amount of money, everything will be cool. You're going to get that million and your heart's still going to be twisted. You end up receiving this wealth or whatever, and it brings sorrow with it because you had to do things that were outside of the code in order to get it. And it warps you. The principle of giving, and even non-believers believe in this principle. That's why you get yep. tax write-offs <laughs> for donations. The principle of giving opens and expands more opportunity for you to receive. And it's, it's 100%. not just, that. that isn't just so for finances, that's so for your time, that's so for your talents. It's the principle of giving. You give in order to receive. That's the first principle that was the major principle of the whole Bible. God 100%. so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he tied to us, he gave his son, his only son, mm -hmm. and so that we can receive. And then, and therefore, we are to abide by that principle as well, monetarily. Yes, because, you know, that's what that's what we're talking about now. If we want to see expansion in our finances, we have to incorporate and act upon that principle giving. And you can't. 100%. I mean, my grandmother, my grandmother used to explain to it like this. It's hard for you to get more if your hand is clutched into a fist. If you're clutching all the money that you have, not willing and not able to give and help others, you are never able to receive any more than what's in your hand. Can, can I, can I and give so that's you, the, go ahead. My bad. I was going to, I wanted to stop you right there at that point. Cause there's a funny illustration I got when I was a kid on this, on that exact thing you just said is it's hard to receive with a clenched fist. Do you know how to make a raccoon trap? Have you ever heard of a raccoon yeah. trap? So, no, we, you know, we country from. down here, so we're doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for real, if you have raccoons, right, this is how you trap them. You you dig a little hole, just big enough for the raccoon to get his hand through if his hand's open. And you put a piece of foil down there or a coin, something shiny. It catches their eye. Ten times out of ten, they reach into the hole to grab it. And as soon as they clench their fist, they can't get their hand out. And they won't let it go. How many of y'all can see yourself still stuck in that hole, still stuck in the financial hole, still trying to get out of debt, still trying to buy a house, still trying to, still trying, still trying because you won't accept that principle. You won't give. And it's fear, yeah. right? And the only way to break that fear it's is fear. you have to act through faith. It's Literally, by doing it. If, if you, if you could therapy. see it clear, you would, you would never, you would never not tie it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And I'd be having to get on myself sometimes. One, I'm not even in a position financially where tithing my money is putting me in any sort of weird space. So that's how you know you're contending with mammon is like, you're actually good. Like you're straight. And you still, you still got to talk yourself into tithing. Still There's work to be done. Mm -hmm. This is a revelation that has recently just swept through my life and is transforming me. But it's that, you know, the Bible's not a book of spells. Right. And, and it's less so of a storybook, too. Like we can use it as that, but it's not even really a storybook. There's underlying meaning in everything that's for us to apply to our lives. And I know that sounds like, you know, like incredibly basic. And it's like, yeah, 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 I know that. Right. This is for you to take in and for you to transform, for you to take in and realize, OK, this is who I am. Actually, this is how things work. Actually. And so this is what I'm going to do. 
and you have to go against that indoctrination that you've received by the world of, you know, well, this is how you do this, and, and this is how you do that, and you got to go into debt for this, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And it's like, none of that stuff is true. And when you get to the point where you know that God's calling you to tithe, if you thought about tithing when you were at church, it's being put on your heart. And what's happening is your thoughts are contending with that word from God that was put on your heart. Your character That's is good. now fighting from being transformed yeah, so that that good. action can't take place. You don't have to wonder, because I know we all, feel, yeah, all of us who have received We've that word, there. precisely, yeah. and you're like, oh, no. Look, Creflo Dollar had this story. It was back in the early 2000s uh, or mid-2000s when, when things really took off for him financially outside of his church. And he was at a friend's church, and God said, tie the million dollars. And he said, Satan, I rebuke you. I don't know what that is. Get thee mm. behind me. You know what I mean? You're an enemy. You're a footstool to me. He was going through all the scriptures. His foolishness. Get this out of my face. And then the Holy Spirit kept tugging on him for it. And he's like, hurry up and like, do you it. Know, it's right? Yeah. Hurry up. Wow. Hurry up and do it. You need to do it quickly. You need to do it now. You need to do it now. Because before you start convincing yourself exactly. that it is. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, and once you once you go up there and write that check and your heart is in dueled or embattled between two different stances. You've yeah. annulled the whole, you, you know what I mean? God is the one who's reading your heart, right? The actions that you're taking, the primary purpose of them are to indicate what's taking place in your heart. Wasn't that good? That's just so good. There's so many good things to learn about tithing and about building your relationship through God with your money. Tithing is worship, y'all. Tithing is worship. I cannot stress this enough. I'm still going to revisit this, but we'll wait for a couple episodes. Let me know how you think. If you've started tithing or if you haven't, let me know how this has helped you, how this has cleared your mind from some of the misconceptions about tithing and about our relationship with Christ. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Live Again podcast. I live to encourage you. Leave a comment and let me know if this has helped you in any way. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Stay black, stay blessed, and never compromise your peace. See y'all next time. Bye.